What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and we just finished recording with Jason Phillips, who is a close friend and mentor of mine and somebody that I have a ton of respect for. And we had a great conversation. I think you guys are really going to dig it, get a lot out of it. Uh, There's a lot of takeaways. And if you guys can do me a favor, if you appreciate this episode, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner on Instagram and Jason Phillips at Jason Phillips underscore IN3. Screen share it or screen grab it, post it to your stories, tag both of us, let us know you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you guys soon. All right, Jason, what's going on, man? I appreciate you joining me. Dude, what is going on, my man? It is good to be here. Yeah, I know your schedule is crazy, and you just had a certification course this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, dude, we literally, I I literally got in last night at 2.30 in the morning from Fort Lauderdale after flight delays, Um, but it was a really good good weekend, man, like always good to pass on that knowledge, so I can never complain. Yeah, and I know that uh, those weekends just take a lot out of you. You put so much into them, and, and it's great. And just for reference, like every single one of my coaches is required to go through that level one certification, and they always come back with just they're all fired up, so ready to roll, and, and it's awesome. So I do appreciate you coming on. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to just jump in because there's a lot about your story that I know that I know will resonate with my audience but then there's some other stuff that I'm, you know, I'm excited to to learn more about. So to get started, um, why don't we just like, what was the very first thing that got you into fitness uh, in general? Like your first introduction to this whole industry? Yeah, man. So my my story is a little bit different than most. I mean, a lot of I think that like a lot of people would expect like, you know, somebody that, that is teaching fitness or teaching nutrition on a higher level would have like, you know, had this great background of, of fitness and nutrition. But, you know, for me, man, like the truth is I, I don't come from a super healthy family. You know, my, my dad's overweight. My sisters are overweight. Um, you know, I, I, I won't say my mom's eating disorder, but she definitely has eating disorder tendencies. And, and so I didn't know that stuff growing up, right? Like I just thought that was normal. Um, and for me, like, I was just like your average kid. You know, I ate pizza, chicken fingers, like mac and cheese, like, you know, all the normal things that kids eat. Um, I was a pretty good athlete. Like, I played soccer. Um, I represented the United States in 2000. And, and I was pretty good at golf in high school. Um, by the time I graduated high school, I was one of the best in the state, top 50 in the world. So, you know, that, that was really it. Um, you know, it was an injury immediately after high school that put me in the weight room for the first time. And, and I was there for physical therapy but it was a whole new environment to me. Um, like absolutely nuts, absolutely kind of like super foreign. Like I always looked at weights like they were too heavy. Why, why would anybody ever do this? Um, and, but at that same time, I got approached by Abercrombie and Fitch for some modeling opportunities. And, you know, let's set the stage. It was 2002. Every 18-year-old kid wants to be an Abercrombie model. So, you know, while I'm in the gym rehabbing my injury for, for very specific purposes, I'm also starting to look around and realize, hey, this is probably the setting I should be in to be improving my aesthetics, to be getting the abs that Abercrombie desires. Um, and so I started asking my, you know, my physical therapist and, and the trainers in the gym, sort of saying like, how do I get abs? How do I get abs? And, and you know, so people would tell me different things. They would they would give me like ab workouts. And, and then finally, it was my pediatrician that told me, um, you know, hey, it's, it's really more about what you're eating. Um, 
And so read the nutrition articles inside the magazines and online and, and this and that. So I started doing that. I started reading all the articles. I, I read everything I get my hands on. And ultimately, all I was finding was don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. Like but There was never really any practical advice that how you should adequately be, uh, be consuming food. And, and so, dude, like long story short, um, I quickly found myself not only under eating, but full-blown eating disordered as an anorexic. That's crazy. And I think the whole journey from being an athlete first, a lot of people just assume that, you know, we are familiar with strength training and getting in the gym and proper nutrition protocols. And my story is very similar to yours in that I was an athlete, but after probably, you know, seven, eight years, you know, I didn't even know what to do in a, in a gym setting or like how to, you know, structure a nutrition plan. And so I think it's, you know, one of those things that's interesting, especially from from men, like with women, we can understand the, the message is very clear, like media puts it right in front of their face to exercise more, eat less, take up less space. And that message is hammered home. So with disordered eating, it kind of is understandable why it's prevalent with women. And I think with with men, you know, and I would love your thoughts on this. Do you think that it's equally as prevalent and it's just not, you know, we don't put it out there because, you know, it's not masculine to talk about these things or we don't want to share our emotions as much. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, dude, I'm in complete agreement. And I can tell you, you know, fortunately now, you know, my, I'm 34. So this was, you know, 15 years, 15 plus years ago, um, like when this was going on. And so I've spent a lot of time in the industry since then. And, that time that I've spent in the industry has shown me, um, you know, I've been very fortunate enough to have candid conversations with some top performers, uh, you know, males, either performance wise or aesthetic wise. Um, and, you know, you'd be shocked to know how many of these guys started. Um, I, I don't want to say necessarily eating disorders, but um, eating disorders and body image issues are very synonymous Um in most cases, I don't, I don't want to say that, they, that that's an absolute statement, but in a large majority of cases, eating disorders are, are manifested from some sort of body dysmorphia. And the body dysmorphia that runs in the male circles is very, very high. Um, and it's just swept under the rug, just like you said, mostly because I, I think it's not an alpha t- type uh, conversation. I think it, it shows, um, you know, the perception is that it shows weakness as a male. And, and I think that we as Western culture um, do a very poor job of allowing men to be vulnerable about these things. And I, I think that, you know, full transparency for me, like when I was able to get vulnerable about these things and open up about them was actually when I really expedited the rate of my recovery. Um, you know, and it's when you're suppressing things, you're just not going to move through them. But when you're able to bring them to the forefront and understand them and, and correct them, um, that's when you create success. So definitely think it's there, man. Definitely think it's there at a level that is higher than most people would expect. Uh, and I think we as a society need to recognize it and be better about it. Yeah, totally agree. And do you remember the turning point for you? Like you had this Abercrombie opportunity, you're focused on getting abs, you're reading these articles, you're 
learning, you know, just eat less and do more, and you're kind of going down that rabbit hole. Do you remember what changed for you or what was that turning point to get you out of that mindset? Man, I do. It's crazy. So, uh, and mine is going to be way different than most. And, and so I need to kind of preframe this conversation by saying that because I think a lot of people have a much, you know, a much longer journey than I had. Mine was literally a split second decision. Um, and so one of the side effects that happens when you're starving yourself and, and living as an anorexic is, you know, obviously you're not taking in nutrients, you're not taking in calories. And so there's no real recovery and it, it pretty much ends up destroying any hormonal profile you have. So, as a, you know, early, you know, just turned 19 year old kid, I, I basically had zero testosterone, which is not normal. Um, so I, I couldn't really function past like 2 PM. Like I, I literally, I used to say like I needed to take a nap, but I don't even feel like that accurately articulates it. Like if there was a chair close to me, I physically needed to sit down and fall asleep. Like it wasn't, I desired, like I actually needed it. It was nuts. Um, and so the only jobs that I could hold at that point were if I could work the morning shift. And unfortunately there's, you know, unless you're serving tables at like a, a breakfast restaurant, like there's not a lot. So, um, I got really fortunate and Gold's gym near me was hiring, uh, specifically for the morning shift. So opening up the gym at 5am, uh, and, and my shift would enter on 11. I had plenty of energy. I love being in the gym. I read all the muscle magazines. Like it was great. Um, but yet I was still living as a, as an eating disorder anorexic. And so one of the trainers there, she kind of saw what I was doing. She would she'd kind of watch my eating habits and, and she'd watch how much I would train. And, um, there was a bodybuilder that would come in, you know, every day and he was getting ready for a show. And so he's super lean and obviously looking really jacked. And I remember saying to her out of the blue one day, I'm like, man, I really want to look like that guy. And, and she was like, Oh, well I trained him. I do his nutrition and I do his training. And I'm like, Oh, well, would you do that for me? And she was like, yes. When do you want to start? And I'm like, you know, today. And she's like, okay, great. Like meet me back at the gym later. And I'm like, okay, what do I eat? You know, at this point I was so invested in nutrition. It was an obsession. And, and she said, well, I need you to start eating 4,000 calories per day. Right. And like I, to this day, I, I mean, that's really terrible advice to be honest for an anorexic, but like to this day, I'll never know why she chose that number. And I'll also never know why, I instantly put my trust in her because what happened next was I left and this is, you know, again, 2002, 2003, prior to the days of my fitness pal, I went to Barnes and Noble, I bought a calorie counting book and I started writing 4,000 calorie meal plans for myself. And I started eating them the next day. Um, you know, and, and two and a half weeks later, three weeks later, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, wow, I'm not fat. And in fact, I probably looked better um, than I had the two to three weeks prior. And, and so that was, that was the moment I began to trust food. Um, you know, but in full transparency, this woman did not train that guy. She did not do his nutrition. She just kind of went out on a limb and like was seeing if I would take the bait. I took it. Uh, and, and to this day, man, I'm forever grateful for that conversation. Wow. That's crazy. So it must've been some sort of instinct that your body was probably like telling you something is not right here. And so she kind of gave you that, that shining light. And fortunately you listened, you know, did you at the time, was it like every single day you were doing this and kind of still focusing on like, how do I look like there had to be some fear around going from starvation to 4,000 calories. What was like, what was going on mentally at that time? Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny. I try to think back, like, it's really crazy. One of the meals I remember is I would have these like turkey sandwiches that were 
like massive. And like, even like the really jack dudes that would walk in would see me, uh, you know, they, they would see me eating these sandwiches and be like, damn, that's a, that's a big ass sandwich. Like that's a lot of turkey. And I remember like that affirmation from them actually helped me. Cause I'm like, these are the guys I want to look like, you know? Um, so I, I think honestly what helped was that I was working in a gym environment around a lot of people that were supportive of me. Um, you know, my parents didn't know any better. My mom obviously knew something was wrong. My dad to this day hates the fitness industry because he thinks it's what took me out of like my golf career. Um, you know, so I really didn't have a support system. And as I was implementing this, the positive affirmations I was getting at the gym was, were helping the actual act of consuming food, man. Like I, Mind you, I was writing 4,000 calorie meal plans with micronutrient dense foods or, or quote unquote clean foods. Um, I wasn't putting like pizza, like this wasn't the days of if it fits your macros. So, you know, back then it was still very demonized to be eating things like ice cream and pizza and, and things like that. And, and to be fair, when those situations would come up, I would still exhibit eating disordered tendencies. Like I could not go out to eat with my friends and have pizza. Um, I was not consuming alcohol like a normal 19 or 20 year old at parties. I, I was still very socially isolated. I had only fixed the eating portion. And, and that's why it's, it's very important to recognize that I certainly at that point had not overcome an eating disorder. I was just beginning the steps to actually becoming healthier. Yeah, I think it's so crazy how many different ways those issues can manifest themselves. And I you know, talked about it with my journey that I went down that path of under eating and so hyper focused on clean eating. Like my sister straight up called me out and asked me if I had known, like if I've ever heard of orthorexia. So I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what it was at the time. And I went home and I started researching it and I'm like, holy shit, that's exactly like me. And then I went down this other path of like, I finally, you know, recovered from that. But then I was so into the if it fits your macros camp that I'm like, yes, I, everybody should eat Pop-Tarts and donuts and brownies and fucking celebrate how great we are because we can eat shit food and still get leaner. Um, and then, you know, the relationship with food didn't actually get better. It was just a different disordered relationship. So it's interesting, like how many different ways and how many different angles those mindset issues can can, you know, pop up for us. So I think one of the things that, you know, with your journey, what brought you to wanting to pay that forward to other people? Because obviously you had to overcome a lot and you kind of found your way. Do you remember where you were like, I need to coach other people on on how to do this the right way? Yeah, man. So real quick, before I answer that question, you know, it's crazy what you said about all of these things that are happening in our lives uh, or in our lives that, you know, uh, we don't even recognize our eating disorder tendencies. I remember in one of my college classes, um, before, before I had transitioned to Florida state, before I had really overcome anorexia, um, I, I remember that one of my electives at George Mason university, I had taken a nutrition class because I was so obsessed. Um, and I remember we started discussing eating disordered populations and the teacher said that like anorexics, they actually take all of their negative habits. And they, they basically hold them as a trophy, right? So by, by then saying to people like, hey, I don't eat XYZ foods, like, like they're actually 
it's an issue in their life, but they're masking it by telling you, oh my God, this is such a great thing that, that I'm doing with myself. So it's, it's really, uh, I vividly remember connecting to that because as soon as she said that, I'm like, holy shit, I literally brag about all the negative shit that I'm doing to myself. Like it, it was, it was such an eye, like eye opening light bulb moment. Um, and but, just as you're you know, saying that, like I can totally relate. I, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, look at look at the willpower I have, look at the discipline I have. Yes. You're almost showing off. Yes, yeah, and like, and we're constantly showing off, right? So it, it's crazy. And then now here I am, and I totally forget the question you just asked me because <laughs> no. I was like, I really wanted to make sure I pointed that out because it was it was such a vivid moment for me. Like I could tell you how I had to get to that classroom on the campus where I was sitting in the room, what the teacher looked like. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the names of the people in that room, but I vividly remember exactly what the setting was because it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, wow, these statements that I'm making are so negative relative to my long-term outcomes. Like, holy shit, this is me. And so what was the catalyst for bringing that to the forefront? Ah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so from there it was, you know, ultimately that's when I think I connected that I have an eating disorder. Like that was the first time where I was like, wow, I am, or I was, or I'm overcoming anorexia. Holy shit. You know? And I, and I think that it was right around that time that I was, I was really enjoying my job because I was finally, you know, I was finally eating. My hormone levels were recovering. I was enjoying training more. Um, and the fitness manager at my gold gym, um, pretty successful dude. He had come in, he had really like overhauled the personal training department and, and made it very successful. And so I kind of looked up to him and as we got to know each other, he graduated from Florida state uh, and he was like, dude, it was amazing. Like so much fun. You got to check it out. And so I, I told my parents, I said, Hey, I want to transfer and I, I want to major in, you know, exercise science and, and fitness and nutrition. And so I checked out like three or four different schools, but when I went to Tallahassee, I fell in love. Um, I instantly wanted to be there. And, and so I transferred. Um, and I remember by the time I had gotten there, I was, I was actually way more confident about myself. Like, you know, my fitness efforts uh, had started to show themselves again. And um, it, it was, it was really cool. And so I got there, like, obviously when you're more fit as a guy, you get a little more attention from girls. So I started to meet more girls. Like, I felt like dudes were, I was, I was relating to guys more. And so, but the, the big thing that had really changed my life was nutrition. And I'm like, guys, if this changed my life, think of what it can do for you. And I've always been kind of a giver by nature. So I'm like, let me help you. Let me help you. And I was literally just trying to help people, man. Like I thought nutrition was the single most powerful vehicle in the world. And I'm like, I have this crazy thing that you probably don't know about. Let me show it to you. And it was like, it literally was just pure passion, pure excitement. I wasn't charging money. I wasn't trying to monetize or I had no intention of, of this being my career. I just genuinely wanted to pay forward what had saved me. And, and it was such a powerful time, man. Dude, I love that. And that's really where my whole drive came from. It was like, I've been through so many just pitfalls hurdles setbacks like i wanted to help people overcome all the dumb shit that i did but like do you remember kind of that paradigm shattering moment where you believe strongly in one thing 
nutritionally or just overall that like as you got into helping other people where you were like, man, I've been doing this wrong all along and I need to really shift gears if I'm going to help people long term? Um, ironically, I, uh, you know, there's, there's way too many times that I, that I look at in my life, um, where I, I had like this, you know, this nutritional advice that I was giving to people. Right. Um, I, I literally was like, there was a time where I was big on clean eating and then there was a time where it was like carb cycling. And honestly, man, because I was not educated yet, I, I was just like every other person that's probably listening to this. I was caught up in the hype, in the propaganda, in the media of whatever I'm seeing in magazines. I'm trying and I, I'm swearing that it's like God's gift to the dietary world. And so as I became more and more educated, I'm like, oh shit, like, there's a lot more out there than, than meets the eye. There, none of these protocols are magic and none of these protocols are inherently wrong. And, you know, I, I would argue, dude, it took me the better part of six to seven years in the space before I really was confident enough to say, you know, fuck the gurus and, you know, screw what everybody's saying. Here are the facts. And, and it's really crazy now as somebody that educates in this space, I think one of the biggest reasons that people start to align with dietary protocols um, or hide behind dietary protocols is probably a better way of saying it. The biggest reason people do it is because they're insecure in their own knowledge levels. And that probably sounds really crazy as a professional, but like as humans, we're always like, man, like someone out there is a little bit smarter or, oh my gosh, what is so-and-so going to think of me? And so as nutritional professionals, we're like, well, what if I give them the wrong prescription? Are they going to know? And so we start hiding behind these supposed facts of a protocol and we just continue to deliver those. And we're like, oh, well, the media will back us up. Um, it, it took me probably about six to seven years to really gain the confidence needed to go in my own direction, do it my way. And, and really begin building the foundations of how I operate today and, and ultimately the, the education platform that I have today. Yeah, and I definitely want to dive into that a little bit further. But first, what was the process from going, you know, you said you were helping people just out of passion, you weren't charging. At what point did you realize that, you know what, I can do this and actually make some money, I can help people and they can, you know, invest in me to, to really get their nutrition sorted out and get them the results they want? What was that process like? Um, you know what it was, so at first I honestly, when I started working with people, it wasn't about, it wasn't about money. So I don't know if you remember dude on bodybuilding.com, they have a social media site called body space. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? Yep. Okay. So like when that came out, I was sponsored by optimal nutrition and I was like one of the, I was one of the big like quote unquote influencers on that site. Um, and people would start private messaging me, asking me questions. And I'm like, dude, this is so cool. People are trusting me with, uh, you know, with their nutrition. And so I want to pay it forward and answer all their questions. And so I would spend, dude, I'm not kidding you. I would spend hours every day, like answering questions in my inbox. And it wasn't until one day I woke up and I'm like, holy shit, I'm spending more time in my inbox than I am at my actual job. And I'm hurting financially. 
So if I'm going to do this, I need to at least make a little bit of money from it. So the next person that messaged me, I'm like, hey, I'd love to do a diet for you. Uh, it's $100. And, and people are like, okay, no, you know, that's a no-brainer. Let me, how do I pay you? And I'm like, just send me PayPal. Um, took $100 PayPal. Before I knew it, I had like 60 clients. I'm like, here I am, like, you know, early 20s, making 70K a year from this online platform. I'm like, this is gold. Um, full transparency, I was, you know, 23, 24 years old. I had no idea what the hell I was doing with money. I had no idea what I was doing in the business world. And I quickly tanked that business because I undercharged, overworked, um, and, and basically burnt myself out. But that was the first time that I was like, wow, the power of this knowledge extends outside of just my current reach. I can literally step into a world that is, you know, time zones and continents apart. And, and that was really cool, man. Like that was a very fun, eye-opening moment. It's definitely powerful. And I think the undercharging, overworking is like almost a rite of passage. It seems like that's how we all have to get started, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I completely agree. I think that we all, and, and to be fair, I think that everybody that's really good at what they do has a, has a moment like that because those of us that are good at what we do, we started purely with passion. It was never about profit. And, and when you lead with passion, you will inevitably undercharge because your goal is just to reach people. And that's okay. I think that everybody should make that mistake because it teaches you to value your time. It teaches you the power inside of what you're doing. And then like when you blend the two uh, appropriately together, all of a sudden you really start creating this level of impact that you desire. Yeah, totally agree, man. So what was the next step after tanking that business? Did you feel like, you know, you were kind of lost at that point? What was the next step in your in your journey? Yeah, like I, to be honest, like some of it was, I didn't necessarily think that it was viable. Cause I, you know, I burnt myself out and again, I didn't really have the model. So I kind of fucked around. I mean, mind you, like I'll, I'll reset the stage. You know, I ended up turning pro playing golf like at 21. And so I traveled for like a year and a half. Um, and so I was not like your normal 21, 22 year old kid. Like, you know, I was in different cities every week. I was playing golf. Like I had to grow up pretty quick. And so all of a sudden here I am like living this life. I was like a, you know, fitness model. And I was trying to enjoy myself a little bit. I think I was trying to like re re-engage my youth. And so, you know, I, I just really fucked around, man. I enjoyed my time in LA. I, you know, I opened up a personal training department in DC. I, you know, ended up getting a job with like a large supplement company distributor that, you know, was, was like the exclusive job in the fitness industry. Um, and, you know, for the better part of like five years, uh, till about, I want to say it was like 28 or 29. I really, um, I really just messed around and I, I never, I always dabbled in the online coaching space. Like I, I always was respected as somebody that could help you but I never fully invested myself into building a business from it. Um, I prided myself purely on my skill set, which was great. I still believe everybody should lead with that. Um, but I never took the time to learn the business stuff. And so, you know, I, I did that. I ended up moving out to Arizona. Um, I was, I was running some fitness company out here and I just, I wasn't fulfilled, man. I wanted to be back in the nutritional space and, there was a pivotal moment that happened. Um, I was on a flight and I was flying to Michigan. You know, I, I'm in my aisle seat like always. And there's this guy like two, three rows behind me. 
uh, and I kept kind of noticing he was like looking at me, but uh, it wasn't until I like fully turned around, he got eye contact from me, and all of a sudden, dude, it was like a floodgate open. He started asking me all sorts of questions. They all revolved around health and fitness. He was a little bit overweight. And, um, I basically just started giving him answers for like the better part of an hour. And as we landed, like as, as we're descending, I'm like, man, like I am happy right now. There is nothing more that I want to do than answer people's nutrition questions. And so sure enough, man, we landed, um, that corporate job that I was working for that fitness company. I was, you know, I was probably making 200 grand a year. Like I was successful. And in that moment, I decided happiness was far more important. So I sent in my, my two week, uh, notice and decided I was going to open up a nutrition coaching company. And, and that was literally the genesis of where I am today. Uh, you know, today we're very fortunate. You know, my team, I have 15 coaches that work for me. Uh, you know, we help thousands of clients and, and, and I would love to be like, man, like that moment, it turned everything around. Like here we are today, multi-million dollar company. But the truth is there was a big pitfall uh, a couple months after that, long before we ever experienced success. And this is what I think you know, anyone that's still listening to this story and trying to connect to it and trying to see their future, the big pitfall happened on a holiday. I mean, I woke up on a Thanksgiving day, overdrawn in my bank account, dude. Couldn't afford my cup of coffee. Like for those people that know who I am, like you know I got a five-year Starbucks streak going. Um, you know, couldn't even afford my daily Starbucks. Couldn't afford Thanksgiving dinner. Couldn't afford to pay for the, the vacation I was on. Um, and it, it really, I think that was where I kind of got the kick in the dick I needed where it was like, Hey Jason, stop being purely, uh, the nutrition expert and, and start understanding that your expertise must be backed by the appropriate business, uh, to truly create impact and reach the people that you need. And, and it was in that moment that I realized, okay, I'm going to hustle my ass off. Um, I am going to grow business concurrent with my level of knowledge. And when I do the two, uh, I will be in a position of power to really have the impact I want. Um, and from that moment forward, we built what we have today. And, and I'm really proud of where the last four years have gone. Yeah, that's amazing. And there's so many takeaways and connections you can make. I think just from people not being true to themselves or fulfilling their purpose or listening to their instincts, and that's not just with your career. Like That's with relationships. That's with whatever nutrition protocol you're following. Like, I think there's so many times where we find ourselves in a situation where we're not being true to who we really want to be. And I know that's something that you talk about and like have challenged me on is like, who is the person that you want to be? Like, put that out there, vision that person and now start acting like it. And that was one of like the game changing moments for me when I was sitting in a event with you and you basically put it out there. You were like, write it down. What does that person look like? And I realized that I need to start acting like that person. I need to stay true to my values, be passionate, you know, understand my purpose and follow those instincts. And I feel like it's always met with resistance. And like I said, it's not just in your career, like people who are in relationships and they know it's not good for them. And there's this strong force that's keeping them in a comfortable situation because they know it. But you know, you can only live that for so long before the symptoms start showing, you know, the symptoms start rearing their ugly head, so to speak. Um, so I think there's a lot of power behind those two stories and just, you know, where it's gotten you today. Uh, what was the moment from the Thanksgiving Day story to, you know, you obviously recognize something was missing in the space. Do you remember being like, 
you know, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of educational platforms. And it's a tall task to go toe-to-toe with some of those, you know, big players. Do you remember thinking, like, there is a massive gap that needs to be filled? And what did that look like? So, ironically, I, I mean, looking back on it today, that's, I think that's inevitably how it played out. But I don't really think that that was my thought process then. I think that uh, I kind of didn't have an option anymore. You know, I was like, all right, for the better part of a decade, you have literally fucked around and you have you have this skill set. It's better than 90% of people in the world. And yet you continue to not reach and create the level of success that you desire and deserve. And so for me, it was more a commitment of finally doing the work. Like, not going to lie, man, like for somebody that has now created, you know, multiple seven figure businesses, uh, like I'm a lazy person. and, And I certainly was back then. And so I think it was more of a commitment to find my hustle, find my stride, and to really put the work in. Um, now, like looking back, I realized that the reason I became successful was I took a product that I saw in the space that was really flawed, and and I fixed it. And so for me, what like you know, I had hired everybody inside of like the last decade, man. Like I'm a student of the game. I I hired like Scott Abel. I hired Chris Aceto. I hired Honey Rambod. I hired Lane Norton, Mike Davies, like the who's who of nutrition. I have probably worked with them or I have like asked them questions. Like I paid for consults. Like I remember not even that long ago, like a year and a half ago, I, I paid Milo Sarchev for a consult just to ask questions, man. Like I, you can always learn from those guys. And so I, uh, you know, I was, I remember thinking like, I wish I had more access to my coach because I would get questions throughout the day and, and I remember thinking, gosh, well, I could send him an email, but I won't even get the response for two or three days. And then it doesn't matter. So I ended up not asking the questions. And, and you know, there's always like this small level of unfulfillment with every coach. And, and I, I, I didn't know why, because physically I, I would typically end up getting the results I wanted, yet there was still the unfulfillment. And I'm like, well, shit, if the diets work, if I'm achieving success, yet I'm not achieving fulfillment, it must purely be predicated on the fact that I'm not getting what I want relative to connection. And so then I was like, that's the missing link. People don't even want nutrition programs. They want results, but they also want connection. People need to understand why things are implemented, implemented the way they are. They don't just care about how. And the, the main issue today in society is that we, as a diet culture, only speak to how. We never speak to what and why. And, and ironically, like what you talked about, where I challenge you to define who is this person that will be successful in your life, that is not a question of how do we become successful. It's a question of what do you need to do and why do you need to do it to become who you are? Then all of a sudden, the how revealed itself. And this is where every single person needs to start. They're asking their own questions. They're continuing to ask the question, how do I do shit? And, and they really need to reverse engineer the game and understand that if you only play in the tactics, you're never going to create long-term success. And I hope everybody can you know, either rewind and listen to that again or really take home that message because that's what I noticed with when we just focus on you know, a macro prescription or fasting or you know, carb cycling, 
we're ignoring the individual and it breaks down on an individual level. So you can cite any study you want. You can show what protocol was better, you know, when calories were matched and protein and all this other bullshit. It doesn't matter because all that matters is the context of that person's life. And the path for everyone is going to look different. So to only say, how are we going to get there? It's totally missing the point. And, you know, it was something that I witnessed as a nutrition coach and I saw it happening over and over again. I'm like, we are doing these people a disservice. And, you know, now my passion and what I preach on a daily basis is like, you are an individual. The context of your life matters. So I don't give a fuck what dietary protocol you want to follow. Uh, You know, it's really about adherence, sustainability, but let's look at what does that mean for you? Why is it important? You know, and also what can we learn about ourselves in the process? So the fact that, you know, you were able to recognize that and make that connection and, you know, now be able to provide the opportunity for other coaches to live by that standard. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been game changing for me and it's a, it's a amazing resource, but, um, you know, how has, how has it evolved? Like, where did you make that shift from being the coach that connected with people to being the educator and now having, you know, was it just, you realized the level of impact was limited by just one-on-one coaching? What was that transition like? So there was, there was two major things that happened that, you know, that allowed us to get to scale and ultimately realize that education was fundamentally flawed as well. Um, you know, the, the one thing was when I went to like this hustle mindset and, and just this desire to help a lot of people, I, I physically reached my cap, man. There's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much of my time and, and there's only so much you can charge. Um, and so I, I just realized like I'm at a point where I need to start a waiting list and that gutted me. I was like, I, I can't turn people away. Like if people need help, I need to be able to say yes. So um, I got very fortunate. One of one of my clients actually expressed interest uh, in becoming a coach, and, and I said, "Watch, well, you know, I don't know where to send you." Because uh, the truth was, I honestly did not agree with any certification in the space. Like people would come to me all the time and say, "Who do I get certified by?" And I'm like, "I don't think you're going to get what you need from any of the certifications." I genuinely like, even for my college degree, that was not like the information that I feel responsible for my success today. And so I, I said, well, let me see if I can teach you and, and you know, we'll, we'll see if, if it works great. Like you can work for me. If it doesn't like, Hey, at least I tried. She was super on board with that. Uh, and so we spent about 90 days where I mentored her and I taught her everything I do. And, and I, you know, I, I really taught her the basics of you know, prescription and adjustments and uh, understanding the individual and, Really, what I started to realize is the reason she was successful, and, and she was very quickly successful, by the way. Um, the reason that she became successful was not the tactics I gave her, but it was far more predicated on the person she was and, and her ability to create connection with people. And I'm like, well, shit, that's twice now. I'm winning predicated on connection. She's winning predicated on connection. I'm like, there must be something here. And so as she was getting busier and busier, the demand for our services continued to grow. And so I I quickly kept hiring and I kept realizing I'm not hiring people that are great at nutrition. I am hiring really high quality individuals and I'm teaching them what they need to know. And so now today, that's fundamentally how I go about growing is I hire great people. I teach them the skill set. 
Uh, and I think that any person that's listening as an entrepreneur would like, take that. Hire good people, teach them what you need to know, because culture always wins. Um, you know, the the next thing would be like, as I was doing that, I recognized, well, shit, I'm building some really good coaches. So obviously what I'm teaching is different than, than what's out there. And so I actually took on my first mentor class of coaches and I taught them uh, what I had been teaching my coaches and it was wildly successful. And, and so that, it was literally at that point that uh, actually I, I got a credit, Craig Ballantyne and, and John Romanello uh, in a room one day, they called me out and they said, you need to build a certification. Um, and dude, if you want to talk about scared, like right then and there, I was like, I could have pissed myself. I, I was in a room of other entrepreneurs and, and here they are identifying me as the person that now needs to build the next certification in the space. And I'm like, that is wild. Um, and so I had a five hour drive home from LA. I was living in Phoenix at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, how can I build a certification? Like all the certs are fucked up. I tell people there's no good place to go. So if I do it, I have to really believe in this. And somewhere in that drive, I don't remember when, it hit me like you're like the, you know, my, um, my superpower did not come purely on the knowledge, but on the way in which we apply it. And I said, if I can teach the principles in a certification that we have used inside of application, we will win. And so I started racking my brain as to what would go into that. And by the time I got home, I, I vividly remember, dude, I opened the garage door. I pulled the car in the garage, didn't unload my suitcase, didn't unload my backpack ran straight to my office, sat down and hand wrote out the outline of the certification. And to this day, it never changed. Like everything I wrote that day is like the power because it had just hit me like a ton of bricks. So this is what we needed. Um, you know, and here we are today, there's 1200 people that have gone through NCI and, uh, you know, we've created a lot of financial success and a lot of impact in the world from these coaches, which I'm super proud of. Yeah. That's amazing. And, the fact that you believe so strongly in it just sparked that fire to just get it done. And like you, you didn't know how to create a certification, but again, not focusing so much on the tactic, but the what and the why, and then you make it happen. Now I'm wondering if there was some correlation between seeing that you needed to coach human connection and basically that was the catalyst for success that you experienced and the other coaches experienced. Did that cause you to be more open about your own journey, about your own struggles with anorexia, with, you know, your insecurities and just, you know, being more vulnerable in general? Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I, I realized that authenticity mattered. And I, I think that honestly, as I kept taking on more and more clients, I started to realize, you know, cause I, I was the only coach in the space at the time doing phone calls every week or, you know, or every 10 days. And with that, you know, I, I started to realize these 30 minute phone calls, 27 minutes of, of them were like shooting the shit and like understanding the person's life and, and building friendships, man. Like in a weird way, like I'm like my best friends this day are like my clients. Um, and, and so I'm like, man, like that people don't even want the macros. Like there's something different. Um, and, and that like, like that whole time that I was doing this, I'm like, and I would teach my coaches, I'd be like, Hey, listen, you need to build relationships with your clients because, uh, you know, as you dig deeper into the psychology, you understand changing your diet fundamentally is, is something you've probably been programmed and conditioned to do for 20 plus years. And so changing that 
is a very scary emotional experience. And, and you're really placing a lot of trust in the person that you commit to to get the help from. Um, and, and so I had to recognize the power and the value of what was being done in this transaction. And as people were putting their trust and putting their value in me, um, I recognized that I needed to be there for them on every level, not just the knowledge level, but on the personal level uh, to really be able to take this to the next level. Yeah, I think it's a common misconception that as coaches – we're supposed to have our shit together. We're supposed to be like super buttoned up and it couldn't be further from the truth. Like, you know, people just want to know that you're human. Like I deal with the same struggles that all of my clients deal with. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Like, don't wait till you have your own shit together to be able to impact somebody or change somebody's life. Like they just want you to be real and, and authentic and know that they're not the only one going through that struggle. Yeah, it's really funny, dude. I always make the joke at my certifications, like the reason my team is, is the best is because we're all the most fucked up. Like, we all come from, every single person on you know my team has some sort of background issue that brought this to the space. And, and you know, I, I think that the people that tend to have previously had issues, um, it's probably not a PC thing to say, but that's the only way I can really describe it. You know, the, the people that have previously experienced uh, you know, issues in their own space are, are the ones that really understand the impact that can be had from overcoming these things. And, and I think that's what really ignites the passion to be so good at your craft and, and to do the thing moving forward. So I, um, it's really weird, but I, I genuinely believe the top professionals in every space have likely experienced some massive sort of failure. It's, it's like the hero's journey that we talk about in marketing. They've all experienced some sort of massive failure that ultimately is what propelled them to the top. Yeah, and then just through that experience and you continue to go through it, it's just you start actually seeking it out where I used to be like I was a perfectionist. I I hated anything like I was so competitive. I always wanted to win. I didn't want to admit that I had you know, failures in my life. And now it's the opposite. I almost seek it out. And it's like crazy how that whole perspective changes just from, you know, being vulnerable, putting yourself out there and knowing that those failures are actually what made me a better human and what allowed me to grow. And um, it's just an interesting total mindset shift. But I think a lot of people still struggle with that, you know, protective mode where they want to, stay safe and, you know, be comfortable. Um, do you have any insight into what that looks like on a, I mean, obviously everybody's different, but for somebody who is kind of afraid of failing or afraid to put themselves out there, uh, especially if they're, they're trying to, you know, start a business or get into coaching, like how do you even begin to just like taking down those walls? Yeah, I mean, we have to understand the majority of it is driven through emotion. And so playing it safe emotionally, it, it may not be super fulfilling, but it's very easy. Uh, you know, and so a lot of people are sacrificing fulfillment just for your know, simplicity. And, and the human brain is designed to avoid chaos and to drift to simplicity. And so if it's easy to remain the same, then and it's potentially stressful to move and try something new, we we understand that and we know that that stress is, is going to equate to chaos and we just live in our, our mode of simplicity. So 
if we can take that part out of it, if we can remove the emotion and we can actually just look at it as facts, um, it's really a very binary decision. It's, are you okay with how life is now? Or is there something different that you want? And, and most people would say, well, there's something different I want. Okay, great. Are you willing to pursue that and understand that there's potential failures along the way? And, and you have to start identifying this on the front end. You know, you just got home from a certification, like we said. And um, one of the things I tell people, you know, there's a, there's a pre-diet phase that I, I talk about with aesthetic-based clients or general fat loss clients where a good coach will go through all of the things that a client is going to encounter in an active diet, meaning there's going to be some hunger, there's going to be some lethargy, there's going to be, um, you know, sometimes lack of sleep, mood, focus, sex drive, like all of those things, depending on the severity of the results that you're going after or the extremity of the results you're going after uh, are likely to occur. And if you're not explaining this on the front end, then you are actually doing your client a disservice. And so I, I think that individuals have to be prepared for the journey that they're going to get into. But if we, if we go back to the root of it being binary, if I say the same and, and if I depart, okay, now let's, let's talk about what happens if I say the same. Like what is the net effect? And let's, get, let's just tell truth, not emotion. The truth is that your emotions currently will not change. Whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, they will not change. Your life will fundamentally not change. And all the things that are currently happening will likely not change. If you're okay with that, fantastic. Like, don't, don't change. But if, if you're looking at what happens if I change my life and I create success and the list of things is exciting enough for you to compel you to change, then you got to go and you got to go all in. You got to not dip your toe because the, dipping your toe does not mean that you will fully immerse yourself in the desired change. It means that you're just fucking around with it. And I told you my story, 10 years of fucking around left me broke, overdrawn in a bank account on a holiday. Um, you know, full commitment is really required to create change. You described that perfectly. I really like nailed it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I always tell my clients that I'm coaching self-awareness. And that's really, you know, sometimes it's like we do this mindset work and they're like, just tell me my macros. And I'm like, you don't understand. We have to begin this journey from a place of self-awareness. Otherwise, it's never going to be sustainable. So I can throw macros. You could go on Google and print out your macros and get some short-term success, but it's never going to last unless we start from self-awareness and why is this even meaningful? Is this really what you want? Uh, and start to unpack it from that level. But dude, I want to be respectful of your time. So let's start to wrap up. I'm curious, like, what's next for you? Like, I, you've accomplished a lot in a short period of time. So I want to know where you're going from here. You know, I think that the the core of what I'm doing is never going to change, right? And, and so I say that because I, I believe that what I'm after is impact. And so, you know, one of the people I've always looked up to is Gary Vee. And Gary Vee talks a lot about legacy. And so I, I often find myself asking myself the question, you know, what is the legacy that I want to live uh, or, or leave? And so the legacy I want to be known as is like, I want to be known as the guy that fundamentally changed the face of how nutrition coaching was done. And I believe we're, we're beginning that. Um, and so I never want to discontinue that. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs ask me that from like a revenue standpoint, like, what are you going to do next to make money? I don't ever look at my business as a way to make more money. I look at my business as a way to make more impact. And so the next thing is I'm beginning are, you know, I talk about I built this connection-based model when I came in, and that was the missing link. Well, it's no longer the missing link. I think we set 
a, a paradigm shift. And, you know, obviously you were one of the first adopters of that. And that's why you continue to lead in this space as well. But, you know, those of us that are living and leading the connection-based model are starting to see that everything we've talked about on this podcast is, is really the missing link. And it's that emotional side of things. It's that being a complete person. And so what we call it is we call it a three-dimensional being. Um, you understand your frame, meaning your physical and physicality. You understand your family, uh, your interpersonal relationships. And you understand your finance, you know, your, your ability to make money, keep money, and grow money. And so I believe that fitness is just a, a platform for overall success in life. And I believe that people are looking at fitness not as something that they truly desire, but as a vehicle to success in other areas. So what you will see me talking a lot about shortly is how these individuals can be more successful overall, how they can use fitness as a vehicle to their success uh, and not have it just be this myopic world that they live in uh, where it's a very binary yes or no. Um, and, and so that's, that's really what's next inside of where I think people need me uh, and our services. And so again, I'll continue to pursue impact from there. Uh, and, and obviously the growth of nutritional coaching Institute and trying to get more professionals on board to pay it forward the right way, deliver impact at the highest level at scale. And, uh, and I think if we're successful inside of both of those and the legacy piece I talk about will be fulfilled. And I can speak from experience on that. It's crazy how you look at stuff that doesn't seem to be related, but in the time that we've worked together, it's been so apparent. Like if I let my relationships slack or if I don't put enough energy into that part of my life, every other area suffers. And so you don't think like my relationships or my finance or, you know, my frame, my body would impact, you know, how I'm doing with my business. It's all connected. And that's been something that has been so apparent just in the short time that we've worked together. But dude, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, shout out where people can find you and how they can connect with you if uh, they want to learn more or you know sign up for your certification or anything else you have off you know to offer. Dude, I uh, I appreciate that. First and foremost, man, I want to reciprocate and just thank you for your time and and your time investment into just putting out amazing content, dude. I know I got to have you on my podcast. We got to promote your stuff and it's very cool to, to call you a friend today, um, but to help, you know, to help guide your journey to the impact you're having, because it, it definitely is at scale and it's definitely help. It's definitely helping a shitload of people, man. So first and foremost, I appreciate that. Um, you know, second of all, if people want to reach out, man, um, relatively easy to find social media, obviously just Jason Phillips on Facebook, Jason Phillips underscore I N three, uh, on Instagram, and then, you know, obviously our website, in3nutrition.com or um, ncicertification.com if they're interested in the coaching or the certification platform. Awesome. And I will get all of that linked in the show notes. Dude, thank you so much for so, joining me. I, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, I know we'll talk soon. And until then, enjoy the weather out there in Arizona. Dude, it is truly my pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you out here in uh, about a month, bro. Yeah, it's soon. Can't wait. Awesome. All right, take care. Have a good day, man.